Welcome to The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name is Ken Grappierre, and man, do I have a treat for you. My guest today is Jared Lee, aka Duckworth, a rapper, singer-songwriter, and visual artist who's carving out his own path in very unique ways. His upcoming project, Chrome Bull, is the embodiment of a person accepting that they're a trailblazer. And yet the most mystifying thing about Duckworth is how natural he makes it all seem. It's mentioned within the podcast, but I've been into his work for years now, and I think what's drawn me to him has been this infectious cool that he projects out into the world. It's almost like that guy in high school who had your class talking about him even though he wasn't in the classroom. You know what I mean? That kid who was confident beyond their years. That's Duckworth. You know, most hero origin stories start out from the unlikeliest of places, and this episode spends a good portion exploring those early days of Duckworth. How does a young black kid from a Christian household in South Central LA become a world-class performer that isn't afraid to tackle the conformities of gender roles head-on? Well, you'll have to listen to our chat to find out. Together we talk about his upbringing, along with the life-changing experience of opening up for Billie Eilish in arenas all over the world, and the liberating feeling that Duckworth has experienced when collaborating with queer artists. I'm recording this days before his Webster Hall show here in New York, and I'm so excited to both see and photograph that show. He'll be touring the states throughout the rest of the fall, so be sure to visit Songkick and search Duckworth for the full tour dates. Also be sure to subscribe to this podcast on the app that you're listening to this on, and to also rate and leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings help us independent creatives in a big way, so if you like what you hear, do let me know about it. This is The New Exchange with Duckworth. Enjoy. Yeah, so so how's this day going for you? It's wild. It's wild. But it's good, though. I just, uh, between a lot of agendas, I'm getting ready for New York Fashion Week. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're recording this at, like, uh, the top of September. And, you know, first I wanted to say, like, I really do feel a lot of gratitude gained to talk to you because uh, I've been uh, following your music uh, for a while, and it feels really great knowing I get to help share your story and um, your art with the world. And, oh, bless. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And, you know, the, the first thing that I wanted to ask you about was um, inspiration. Uh, can you remember... What was the last thing that made you feel inspired, even if it was like for a fleeting moment? Mm, that's a great question. I was in a bookstore and um, I was just looking for something, probably inspiration. And there was this, I passed by this one book of like architecture and it was like, a, a, it was spe- uh, specifically about like future architecture like modern and like abstract but like just a bunch of like um structures that are just like dynamic shapes and forms and just irregularities and just beautiful and like I've been looking for inspiration for my set design for tour and like I didn't really know which direction to go into and I saw the book and kind of like helped me out with like shapes and everything so probably that's a very boring answer but (laughs) No, that that honestly wasn't boring at all, because I think there is a bit of complexity to be found within that, because like I'm based in New York, but I don't get to say this enough. One of my favorite cities in America is Chicago, Mm -hmm. and it's famous, obviously, for the architecture. And whenever I've been there, 
I do find myself amazed that you're walking around seeing essentially things that human beings have made, but because of the nature of the design, you almost can't fathom that people are capable of doing them. Yeah, definitely. Being able to build it, <laughs> build these structures is like insane. You know, I have to say, like when I was prepping for this, um, I felt a bit of a kinship towards you because um, I too studied graphic design and it was while I was studying graphics that I found myself pulled into another direction in terms of like photography and music journalism. Well, was that the case for you when it came to music? Yeah, I guess the only part about graphic design was having to like sit down all day long and like work and I just, I don't know, be ADD. So I need to move, I need to, I need to stretch. And um, I don't know, music just came around at that time. And like, I did my first performance. And it was fun. I was able to like move and everything. And so then the dream was not to let go of graphic design. The dream was to integrate graphic design with music and uh, performance, you know, kind of just merge all the worlds together. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, I followed your work. I have followed your work for a while now. I guess that speaks to like how so much of like the artwork for and your videos, they kind of have like this holistic nature of the music, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, that's that's incredible that you have that you had that insight because I think what's interesting with graphic design is that um it it could be considered such a nebulous term to people who have never like you know interfaced with it. But I remember when I was in college, one of my professors um I think it was in the first week he did one of those things where he's like, "What even is graphic design?" And it was like a bunch of people from like all different points of America, and it's like most people couldn't answer. And he said, "It's a design that communicates an idea." And it sounds so simple, but most people don't know that's what at the core it is. Yes, very much so. I mean, because when I was going, <laughs> uh, Academy of Arts, which is a college I went to, they were doing a, um, they were doing a... Uh, oh, orientation, is it? Yeah, they're having an orientation at my high school. And they were talking about advertisement and graphic design. And they were asking different people, why do you want to do... Uh, advertisement and graphic design but specifically uh more towards advertisement and i raised my hand and i was like uh self-expression and i was like well you're looking at the wrong <laughs> you're looking <laughs> at the wrong major because <laughs> advertisement is not about self-expression <laughs> it is about expressing somebody else's idea <laughs> you know to be able to use like your art and technique and craft to you know advertise or to pick your idea uh, well, another brilliant thing that you found music, you know, I'm, I, this has been coming up quite a bit on this season. And I always find it interesting because I tend to talk to musicians like you, where you've been doing it for a while, people in your life are familiar with it, like, you know, this being part of your life. But when you reflect on those days, where, you know, you were studying, and then you found yourself going to perform, and, you know, getting deeper into that. Were the people in your life surprised? Like, do you feel like people in your life weren't like, like they almost had to wrap their heads around this new version of you where you were like singing and being on stage? Uh, I think just maybe my mom, but everybody who's on me for a long time on me to just be a wild card and like, you know, just do whatever I, I really felt, you know? I think that as long as it's in the realms, like if I, if I became an accountant, then I think they're more freaked out. <laughs> They'll be like, what's going on? Are you okay? <laughs> good in your life. You know, but just me doing like anything in a ramble park. They're just like, eh, it makes sense, you know? 
No, yeah, totally. Uh, I'm going to bring up more details about um, the tour later on, but when you brought up your mom just now, I couldn't help but wonder, with um, the, the Billie Eilish dates that you did, did your mom get to see that? She went to the L.A. show. Oh, my God. Like, mate, what was it like to share that with your... Like, that... Yeah, what was that like to share that with your mom? Stressful. Very stressful. <laughs> she never seen me perform, and, and to that extent, my mom is from a Pentecostal Christian background and a lot of my subject matters are sensual and um, colorful, if you will, and I use colorful language. So she wasn't as much privy to it from a live format uh, before. So her seeing it that day was just like a eye opener for her. Um, but her husband was there and um, he helped her out, he kind of rubbed her shoulder. He was just like, he, you know, he's doing what he loves and he's successful at what he's doing. Like, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, man. But my mom's been supportive over the years, man. Before it was kind of like of a, a kind of like an off note. But now she's like, you know, how's your tour? You about to do your tour? Like, okay, cool. You eating well? Like all that stuff. You know, just making sure that everything's good. But it was it was definitely stressful. I tried my best not to curse. As much as possible. <laughs> well, well, I, I had some other people that's on stage with me, like catch some of my curse words. <laughs> well, 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 tell me this, right? Um, in relation to um, that show, like obviously it was stressful leading up to it and during, I imagine. But do you remember what she said afterwards? Like, because like we're talking about Billie Eilish shows. I've been to a couple of her concerts. They are some of the most insane things in the world. And it's like, you know, I feel fortunate that I've been to many arena shows in my life because of my job, but the way she and Phineas do it and the way the audience reacts to them, it's totally different. I've never seen anything like it before. I mean, it's very much like heavy fandom, for sure. I think what makes a difference is just how they present it. It's a lot of like innovation uh, through technology. The sound is like crazy. It's like only three of them on stage, but it's like the sound is like, so big and like Billy is just like super creative but then I mean uh super talented but then also uh very human like she has a lot of human moments that her fans like truly love but as far as like my mom coming out and seeing it I think that definitely like made it seem bigger than life like she was asking me she was like that's you like I can't believe like that's you you came out of me and that's you you know (laughs) it was it's it's a bit of a surreal feeling like disbelief i'm imagining from her side you know i've never seen me perform but you know <laughs> and, and you know what while we're on it like we, we are definitely going to talk about music but i just wanted to like ask you about this experience because you know it is something that is just so significant in the context of like you know being a performer because one of the things that has stood out to me on billy shows is that um the fans at times sing so loud that you can't hear billy and like just how often can you say that? So I bring that up because in relation to you being a support act, you know, it clicked for me that, like, because of being familiar with you, right, and your music, I feel like I get the sense that you're an artist that's never going to sway or bend to what's expected. You're going to go and do what is true to you, and you're not going to mold yourself to fit a space. And I think what's interesting about that dynamic is to have it in a room like that. I'm just curious about how you feel like people responded to you or like what that dynamic was like for you when you were on stage and you had just this crowd of people like, you know, reacting to you. 
I mean, we only had three shows that were kind of weird, but like, out top, right when we came out, it was like screaming, like, as if I'm like this Omega pop star and shit. It's just wild. <laughs> it was really crazy to tell you the truth. And like, you know, like they, they knew me from, because uh, I went out like three dates with her and I did the song Kiss You Right Now during those dates. And um, that tour, plus doing that song on another tour, because I, I did, I was performing it before I released the song. But what got the song popular was me performing it with like prominent, on like on tour with prominent artists. So I think they knew me from songs like that. But um, I don't know. I, I really don't. I mean, they're, they're, it's a lot of teeny boppers. You know what I'm saying? Like young, <laughs> young girls. And they just see like me walking out. So I think maybe to them that was exciting. I'm not really sure, bro. <laughs> but, um, but then, yeah, we would have moments where it would just like, it would just be, I don't know, it'd be good music, great performance. Like sometimes a little like, a little heart throb. Like I knew what I was doing. It was little heartthrob moments that I, I would intentionally do. And, <laughs> and then they'll do like that. Like, it'll be the funniest shit, bro. It's, it's hilarious. But, I mean, yeah, I felt supported. Like I said, the only time that was weird was, like, three shows. And it was just, like, because it was just, like, uh, we couldn't get them to, like, react, respond, send us good energy, you know. And in, in those type of shows, like, if you're performing in front of, like, a thousand people like it's cool you know you you'll survive but like bombing in front of like twenty thousand people is like the worst feeling in the world it's insane no yeah i i can imagine um it kind of ties back to what we were saying earlier about architecture it's that in a way when you react to architecture you're reacting to the fact that it's like a person made that so when you're performing it's like people reacting to the fact that there's a human being that made these songs and are now sharing it in like a visceral experience it's like there's not many places in life where you get to have that kind of relationship with another person. I think what's interesting about shows, though, is like it creates this God complex because of the level of elevation that we're on. Like you have audiences on this level and then you have a stage that's elevated here and you have this person there. So then the automatic, like, um, I guess the direction of attention is always here from the audience standpoint. So we're already presented <laughs> at a higher level, interestingly enough which is why sometimes I like to go to like punk shows because it's not me like stages like that. Like you at a punk show, like you're there with like audience, you're like face to face, you know, and it's like conveys a different type of like direct image. It's pretty interesting. No, no, it, it's fitting. In, in relation to what we were just discussing, you know, I've always wondered as a music fan, right? Like if you're making an album or EP, a body of work, do you feel like you're ever aware of the songs that you'll never get to perform? Because that's one of those things that's kind of tricky, where you can't outperform every song that you make generally. And I, I wonder if they, you have those, those songs you haven't had a chance to perform yet. Um, album cuts, man. Like, not, song, not every song can be performed, not every song is going to be loved. You know, like, I know me as a, a fan of Outkast. I know there's cuts in the album that I like adore you know and it ain't for everybody but it's like that's something i have an emotional connection to and actually sometimes even deeper emotional connection because it wasn't the single because it wasn't the one that they performed you know what i'm saying but it's like i feel like that's this song's for me you know it's not the popular one uh but album cuts man you know album cuts is for the fans the true like heavy hardcore fans you know and that's that's something i had to realize too like you're not gonna pop off but not every song gonna pop off not every baby is gonna go to college and become a Fortune 500. 
<laughs> you feel me? <laughs> you know, some babies gonna work at McDonald's and it's all good. <laughs> Yo, as someone who is an absolute lover of analogies, I just want to like give like your flowers to your analogies because not enough people <laughs> point them out in real time. So seriously, it's make, it's <laughs> it's been making it a joy to talk to you. To be honest, thank you, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, someone that I think who could relate to so much of what we're talking about, and I I, I felt I feel privileged that I've had the chance to have conversations with them is a recent collaborator you've had in the form of Sid. And um, Sid is one of those people that just, I'm always struck by how sincere, sincere they are towards their art. And I feel like that sincerity and care towards craft help that song that you and, her, you and them worked on together. Um, mm. uh, she goes by her. Oh, she, she goes by her. Right, yeah, okay. she goes by her. Yeah, I had to, to ask the same question, but I think she goes Okay, cool. yeah. Well. In regards to that track that you and her worked on, like, do you feel like that sincerity and that care towards craft that she has made the song a better one in terms of when you worked with her on it? Um, her coming in, yeah, definitely. Like, it just brought a different texture and, like, her perspective on it, her story that she told, her sexuality. The whole song is about um, uh, cuddlingus, you know? So it's just like, who is going to appreciate such a subject matter <laughs> as uh, Sid, you know? So like, and that's what like the words, uh, that's what, uh, dream me, I'll eat you tonight. So, I, and then like, it's funny because I sent it to her and then she was like, hey, by the way, what does this mean? <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, for sure, you know? And then like, it was exciting. But like, I never had that type of dynamic of like, um, kind of like this exchange well, I had a, like a, a female feature who I guess just also appreciates the same things I do <laughs> from that standpoint. But it's kind of cool too because this EP I'm about to drop, everybody that's on the EP uh, is queer. And like that's something I didn't even realize, you know? But, oh, wow. Mm -hmm, but it's like, I don't know, it's super cool. It makes sense though. That is like the, the circle that I'm in, or at least one of the circles, you know? But, but being like um, my mom raised me around nothing but women and like uh, she was in the gift industry so that's like furniture and like uh sculptures and all this other stuff but like i've i remember going to my mom's job and it was pretty much women and gay men and like that was like my a good portion of my youth you know so i feel like i've always been like just in queer adjacent so to have it manifest uh, in my life now and then also to have it like in this once again in this dynamic it's, it was like damn this is really cool this is really sick no i was just gonna say it. that's incredible and like it, it makes sense to me in terms of like the richness of the creativity with the songs off the ep because i think you know something that stuck out to me as you were saying that is um and i feel like this is gonna sound like a name dropping moment i hate that but a person that i've worked with and i'm friends with is um the musician christine the queens and um, they currently go by him. But prior to arriving to that, like I met them way back in uh, 2015. Mm. That's when we started doing some photo work. And I remember asking about their journey. And um, he said something that was like really pivotal was the yeah. experience of um, going through a breakup and going to a drag club and seeing people who are queer being themselves within a space that felt very safe and unapologetic. and. Mm. The takeaway that he had from that experience was that 
observing people being that honest realize how mm. unhonest he was being in his own life and i feel like when you're talking about creating art and trying to you know pour yourself within that well it's it's i find it really striking that um these queer collaborators can only strafe that for you in a way creatively mm -hmm, mm -hmm. bring such a different energy perspective uh dynamic yeah even like the song power power like it just I'm, I'm i'm reading like the whole song like it's just so much shade <laughs> in that song and um i was like well it only makes sense for sean to be on here and continue the reading you know or sean ross um but yeah it's just just different dynamic and it's like for me leaving a space i don't know if i've ever been in a space of like just like heavy masculinity in that sense, or, or i guess aggro more so I've never been in that space, but to be able to like, I don't know, um, journey through my own like fluidity from one being on stage and be able to like dance more, move more. And it's like, you kind of have to be in touch with both sides in order to have a comfort in your body. Like some of my favorite artists, Mick Jagger, Michael Jackson, Prince, you know what I'm saying? Like they just swam. <laughs> in those dynamics of like just comfort in, in their fluidity and stuff. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's been really interesting and fun. And I've been like, um, just like onion, you know, peeling the onion and finding out new layers of my own self, you know? And like these people are like just adding to that narrative, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, like if there's something significant that um, like a through line that runs through all the artists we've discussed and the ones that you just brought up there is like, they all, break rules and you could really look at someone like a Mick Jagger or Michael Jackson and see that their strength comes from the fact that they don't adhere to rules and I feel like for you when I look at your stuff I feel like you're someone who also hates rules in terms of like what someone would project as what you have to be or how you have to present it's like no I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want to do like mm -hmm. not very much so that's the only way like even going to graphic design school and being actually good at it and still being like, no, yeah. <laughs> this ain't for me. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I thrive off of that, off of being able to not feel restricted or feel like I'm, I'm, I'm locked in on this specific thing or idea, you know, like it just, it never, even when I was a little kid, I, I didn't understand what it was, but that rebelliousness kind of created my, my character or not my character kind of created my, my human, myself, my personality, the way I navigated through life. And like, I think I've gone to a pretty good place from it. So I, I trust it. Some parts I need to be able to chill out <laughs> and just like follow some rules. But then like, you know, other parts, it's like, it's okay to bend it a bit yeah. or find my own way. I know, totally. I, I love the fact that you brought up the distinction of being good at it. Cause I, we should note there are loads of people that I remember studying graphic design with who weren't particularly good at it. So, you know, I'm sure that was similar for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, for sure. I saw it. I saw it. You know, I had really good teachers though. Like they're really like, man, they would not hold back if if if, if it was boo boo, they'll give you. Oh, oh yeah. Like they wouldn't even they wouldn't even give us D's. They just give us F's. Yeah, and I I went through the same thing. Like I imagine you're talking about like crit. So for people unfamiliar, it's like at designs at art school, but you know, especially in the cause of design, it's like the way it works for projects is like you design something and then you have to put it on a wall with your you know. Uh, your classmates mm -hmm. and it's essentially just open for everyone to criticize the idea is it for it to be constructive but i mean some professors are just oh man it's brutal yeah yeah i have someone one of my um 
favorite professors, he had this term called um, polishing a turd. <laughs> and it would be like, <laughs> he says the beginning foundation of it has to be beautiful. It has to be, but if it's, if it's shitty, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you're trying to like add these different features to it. It's just like, no, the foundation of it is shitty. So right now you're just trying to polish a turd, trying to like tie a nice little ribbon around it, you know, but at the end of the day, it's still a piece of shit. And, I, <laughs> and that never, that never left me. Oh. That never left me. That shit was a little oh, God. That is a unbelievable. Well, something that isn't a turd, because I had to find a way to segue. Like, you have to segue off that. But because I wanted, you brought up Power Power, and I wanted Fair to bring enough. up the video, because the video is so strong, and I love that it has like this um, modern day Matrix vibes. And I think what's striking about the music, the, the song itself in the video, is it kind of feels like it was made at 2 a.m. with this, ex- this energy of excitement that you're like jumping off in a chair. Like, that's like the vibe that I was. It was def- the song was definitely made uh, in 2 a.m. <laughs> for sure. It was like 12 to around that area. That's hilarious. You caught that. Oh, my God. That's incredible that it has it has that energy to mm-hmm. it. Like, it's almost like you're just about to fall asleep and then you get into an hour tunnel vision rhythm of just like mm-hmm. bumping to the song. And did, like, yeah, like, did you feel happy with the video when you saw it? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. I I think. Funny enough, I enjoyed the visualizer that came before it a bit more than the actual video. I think because it was just, I'm really into like one shot, really into just like creating like a whole moment with not that much, not that many elements. And I like the second video, the main video. I I love it because we were playing with like meta. So it was like, I was on screen and then from on screen in real life, you know, and then like kind of like this like back and forth and then um, I was more so like the narrator rather than like the main character in certain ways. Like I was more so highlighting. And the, the video was to highlight my friends, like people who I think are like brilliant and extraordinary at what they do and how they move and how they express themselves. Like, so I wanted to highlight these people, people who are already been in the community, you know, and I'm more so just wanted to play narrator. So I think from that, maybe that's what it was. The first one was just like, this is a duck work. And then the second one, just like duck work becomes a narrator. And like, these are my cool friends. So I guess what it was for sure. But you know what? I think it speaks to the strength that you're able to. Because, you know, what you're speaking to there is essentially like world building. And I think what's fascinating is that you're still at a point of your career where I wouldn't say it's like drastically early, but it's still like, you know, if we're looking at the book, it's like the first 100 pages or maybe like a three, 400 page book. Yeah. And I think what's interesting and in what you're doing there, most people don't do that to like the 300 to 400 pages, you know, mm-hmm. like feeling the confidence like. And, and that's what I saw in that video. And I also saw it in the video of the song with Sid. Um, I, don't, I realized I didn't say the name of the song. It's Say Wah, right? Say Swa. Say Swa, right. Mm-hmm. Like the first time I watched the video for, for that, I thought how... I felt jealous in a way. I was like, how cool is it that this is going to be people's first interaction with you and your art? Because there's this confidence that you evoke within the song and that video that is mm. fucking fierce. And I, I wonder, does that speak to you? Like, do you, do you reflect and see that? Um, I think it's, it's two sides. It's probably a couple of sides of me, but this is just one of the dynamics, <laughs> you know, and this is the part of me that is like, also is probably on stage that is just like very like, you know, bull and like very confident. I'm a tourist too, so it adds to it. 
also sis of course as well but um yeah like it's a very like brooding side of me it's a um through um i don't know i i guess just the powerful side and then like opposite of that it's just like my normal self which is way more just like chill and like trying to be peaceful and tranquil and like you know keep it modest and find a tree to, to lay under <laughs> you know which is like you know everybody has like their dynamics and stuff but i can't yeah. be walking around being like duck or all day long it'd be kind of awkward i can't like be duck or in a grocery store it's like it's weird like <laughs> imagine we do like the little sesquad dance like you know what i'm saying like and stuff it's just like bro you're weird <laughs> so yeah i mean I, I those spaces whether it be music video or stages allow me to have that 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 space to to just be to shine bright you know and be like great as great as i can be you know like re- returning for a second back in reference to like you know touring and, um, you know, by the time this comes out, there'll be some headline dates that you're doing. So that'll be really cool. I'm, I'm keen to see you at Webster Hall because I haven't been to a Duckworth show yet. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. But yeah, like you, um, in reference to like, you know, the Billy shows that you did and the other shows you've gotten to do this year, I, I think what I love about that and why I bring it up is because it's interesting having like a near tangible proof of concept in a way and knowing that like your music fits in rooms like that because i think that's the thing to consider where when you accept um an offer like that to support an artist that big in rooms that big it's so easy to say yes initially and i think a lot of artists realize after they say yes that kind of like lingering question of like wait will my music work and fit here and like from the video clips that i saw like Mm -hmm. it does like duckworth works in that kind of context yeah i guess so huh i never thought about it like that it just rise to the occasion or like embarrass yourself really and it's like i'd rather not <laughs> embarrass myself so just like all right let's just make sure and like yeah i feel like i do have music that has personality and it can be big and i can be big and stuff but like i don't know you never really know until you actually do it and just like oh okay all right well this works this worked that didn't work that sucked take those out highlight these you know and then just like make it better yeah and i think most importantly like and you know i might be projecting but i feel like what i see in that is that it works without compromise like i'm coming around to this idea as i'm getting older in the sense that that's a word that does have a place within how we exist as people but i think in the context of creativity i think it's arguably the worst word compromise like the most poisonous word and i wonder um i bring that up as my opinion i wonder if that's something you feel regards to creativity at all Mm. um compromise because i I ask because i feel like you make art that necessarily isn't that at all or i feel like when i experience like your visuals i feel like it's devoid of compromise in a way Mm. um i think you become conscious of what works and um you try to keep your integrity as much as possible create as big as possible but then i think classic musical structure or musical composition makes it where we put it kind of like put it in these boxes you know but it's okay though because it's like here, that here lies a challenge as an artist you can like i can show you like a million colors you know i could just create this like full-on abstract piece but like will you feel it will it resonate with you will it have any purpose in your life you know instead of like 
using a, is it's not the word compromise it's maybe just kind of rearranging the colors to make it where it, it makes sense and but first for yourself you know like it has to make sense for yourself anybody can just like throw up a bunch of colors but it's like you have to ask the question what is the purpose what is the intention if it has no purpose if it has no intention then it's just like cool freestyle whatever but it's like the art that had that kind of resonates with people is something that does have an intention and a purpose and a reason in a certain way and some things just be for the function some things just be so you can shake your ass you know and that's great but it's like even within that there is an intention you're you're creating uh this soundscape this beat this bass you know hits or like these uh lyrics to like make a person want to like shake their ass so it's just like once again you go back to the question what is the purpose of it and if it's a strong purpose and there's a theme and you hold to the theme you know, then it's, you know, you make it work. And I think that maybe is the compromise, but I don't know. That's my version of it. But other people's version of it may be like, oh, they're just making songs to, you know, cross over. They're making songs to get on the radio or, you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, no judgment to that. Feed your family, you know, and everything. But I guess for me, I'd rather do something that like would challenge myself and challenge the listener or the viewer. And uh, I don't know bump into something that's like new and innovative. You know, I have to say, I have a, quite a bit of gratitude in how you answered that, because I think what just happened in real time is I feel like I have a newfound additional context for that word, because if you consider what you just said, if intention is important in art for an artist, and it should be, then the word compromise almost becomes intrinsically linked with it. And I guess that is what's interesting, like compromise to a degree where it's like the element of it as a function kind of has to exist with um, intention. And I, I just I guess I never thought about that context before. It's quite fascinating. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. man. I feel like that's that's uh, my direction I'm going to now. Now we're just this is the beginning. This EP, Chrome Bull, is the beginning of it. But it's like this is me like familiarizing myself during research. But it's like I want to integrate more of like. What is the purpose? What is the function? Putting like function before vanity, you know, because I think vanity is one of the reasons why we're in the place that we're at as human beings on this planet, you know, like wasteful in a certain sense, like creating just to create, making just to make, manufacturing just to manufacture and shit. And it's just like, what is like really, what is the purpose, you know? And it's just like, what is the cause and effect of creating these things, you know? So it's just like, how can we have better purpose? How can we have more fruitful, you know, um, not cause and effect, but like have more fruitful like results <laughs> from things, you know, because it's like we're at a point where we we have to now do things for intention because it's, I don't know, like you see where the earth is going through with global warming <laughs> and everything. It's just there's no like going backwards. All we can do now is just like preserve what we have now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like even when it's getting, the skin is so hot on this planet right now, it's just like just to imagine it getting hotter than this is like insane you know yeah so it's like i'm surprised that people aren't making drastic changes to want to stop this shit you know but i don't know so at least for me i would like to be more like function based than to just make things just to just for the fuck of it i respect that so much man and it's like you know i i feel like um in the realm in which we're discussing and i i do have one more question but before i do i was just going to bring up this aspect of like you know what you said there is that I think it's so easy to point out like uh, social media is bad, attention spans are bad. But in relation to how you said that there, I do think 
creating things on a more functional basis and with intention in mind is powerful because it is so weird to me that because I am a social media's bad person. I am. I can't help it. But it's like in terms of an opinion. But I think where that stems mm-hmm. from is like I'll think about friends of mine and I'm guilty of it, too, where I'll read an article. Right. And it'll be like at the forefront of my mind for like two hours. And then a week goes by and I have completely forgotten that that experience happened. But then I think about a song that I enjoy that I loved mm-hmm. it a month ago and I'm still listening mm-hmm. to another, you know, a month later. There's something really yeah. special about that. There's there's something tangible about that that is hard to quantify. Yeah. I mean, because, like, music comes from a, a, a spiritual place, in that sense. Or if not spiritual, you can say energy, I guess. Like, music holds energy, in that sense. And, like, even where it comes from. And I know it comes from a place that's beyond this plane because whatever that is as responsible for connecting that and bringing that down to me as a vessel it shuts off like and I won't be able to write anything good I won't be able to tap and like it would just be like done you know and like as far as having any other skill set like if I'm a good graphic designer or something like that or if I'm like I don't know I like run track or something like that like it's very I'm good at it so it's just like it's I'm always going to be good at it but as far as just something about music in art specifically that is just like if you have like writer's block like it's it, it's done like you, you're gonna have to just like kick it and be a normal human for a bit until whatever that is that's responsible for it clicks back on you know so it's i don't know it's it's very uh it, it's beyond like once again it's beyond our understanding but it's an energy and i think that energy thing comes from a place that's so like infinite and so like amalgamated consciousness in that sense you know it's just it's beyond our plane you know so i think that's why it really sticks with people yeah no very well put and you know this ties nas- nicely to the last thing i wanted to bring up to you is because you know wh- when i immersed myself into your music and your visuals i think what really left me staggered was the level of detail and it also showed me like i feel like what i learned from entering the world of Duckworth was that the word quality is important for you. And mm-hmm. can you tell me what that word has come to mean for you, both in reference to your music and life? Because I feel like the older we get, that's a word that ends up evolving and shifting in a way. And that word being quality, of course. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's, it's the thing of like my predecessors who came before me, who were like, it wasn't, we're was talking about days where you, you didn't have pro tools where you can just like just like take this vocal and then put it with that vocal and like have this super access to like editing i'm talking about like you had to do the song perfect all the way through and the whole band had to do it too you know like they, their level of skill and craft like it's just it's, it's unmatched and like that's the shit that i was like raised on so i think i have an unfair advantage compared to like maybe like just the generations that come after me that don't have the same exposure but it's like me listening to like a um oj's or like marvin Gaye or i don't know like zeppelin or what's her name um mini mini riverton or something like that like these like just the quality of music it was so like rich it was so rich you know but that's what i was raised on so it's like I familiarize myself with it and I pull from it from a conscious or, or a subconscious 
level, but I want to, I want to maintain that, even if it's not like the same, you know, I want to maintain some type of quality, one for familiarity, but two for my own like standard, you know, and then three, cause you know, nobody wants to polish a turd. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Duckworth, thank you so much for your time today. Truly. This was like a true pleasure. I'm really glad I got to talk to you. Okay. Thank you for yours, man. Thank you so much for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe to The New Exchange via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you.